This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Counting down the days until we are out there in Arizona watching this team up close and personal, Dave. I cannot wait to get down there. And somebody who's even more eager for our arrival <laughs> is with us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. She is our Mariners insider. She will be our host. And she is just beyond elated at the idea of us sharing a residence with her. Am I right, Shannon Dreher? Is this a new phone? <laughs> <laughs> Who's this? Yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> just, just make sure we've got some uh, peroxide around, some hand sanitizer. We'll be fine. Uh, oh, Bob will be clean. <laughs> Bob will be clean. Don't worry yes. about that, Shannon. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, yeah, I'm, I am, in all honesty, obviously very excited to get out there and, and watch this team up close and personal. They look great today, beat the Reds 11-3, to but... You know, you start looking at the individuals, and Shannon, you know this better than everybody, that that all eyes are at this point on Jared Kelnick. What's he going to do? What's he going to be? How how seriously are you taking his success? We're so, we're so conditioned to sort of dismiss spring training stats, good or bad, and just say, yeah, it's spring. Let's see what they are in the regular season. And that's true here as well. But considering his struggles, considering all the tweaks to his swing and his stance and all that, how, how much do you put into what we're seeing right now, which is very good? Okay, the usual preface preface here with Jared Kelnick, it's just not going to matter until it happens in the regular season. That said, um, numbers, no, don't put a lot into, but what you see with your eyes down here, you do start to put a lot into. The conversations that you have with others and with the player themselves, you take that into consideration too. And the biggest thing for me with spring training results, um, if there has been a change that a player has made, then you kind of take a little bit more note. You know, you can in this day and age, it used to be you have this many at-bats, this many shots, you're this age, whatever, you are what you are. That's no longer the case. With all the technology they have available to them, with the driveline, the hitting coaches, the mental skills coaches, and everything else, you can change as a player at any time. And, you know, Jared has got a long way to go before he's at that point where, nope, it's just not going to work. And you do like the things you hear about his work. You do like the approach that you are seeing from him. You do like the things that he's saying, like, you know, it's he thinks the new clock's going to help him. Uh, get back in the box. Don't think about that pitch. You know, treat every pitch, pitch to pitch. Don't be too concerned about the count. And, and that's kind of what we're seeing. You know, it's great to see him today. Uh, his first hit was just solo up the middle with two outs and runners on. That's what you want from him there. You don't want him swinging for the fences. And what do you know? He runs in, he, he drives in two runs with two outs early in a ball game. Perfect. We certainly have seen the power. There's no question about that. Uh, it, it, it's all there right now, but it's going to have to translate. But yeah, cleaned up the swing, uh, went to work on the approach. And it just seems, you know, a year older and a little bit more experience under his belt, perhaps better equipped to deal with some of the things that he uh, wasn't so equipped to deal with in the past. So I'll say I'm very optimistic. Uh, I think the changes are legitimate. Now can he keep it all together when the regular season begins? Well, Shannon, I'm sure for you it's been very gradual, but over the years that you've been following this team way back when, I mean, it's amazing the amount of resources that they have now, isn't it? I mean, you know, we heard about the pitching machine that you can actually, they put like a, a hologram or something, a picture of the actual pitcher. I mean, it's incredible how much you mentioned the mental health stuff. I mean, probably when you started there was 
almost none of that, correct? Yeah, no, it was, you need this many at-bats. And what's so amazing is when you would see pitchers in particular struggle, they might have to get sent down to the minors for a month or even longer to try and even diagnose what exactly the problem is. And now you can get that all sorted out in a lab in a day. Doesn't mean, you know, still let's go out and execute, but they can break everything down. Wow. And, and it's, it's pretty amazing. The pitching machine, you'll see it when you're down here, is uh, about as real as it gets. And a lot of guys are using it, and it's going to be very helpful uh, when you're going up against Shohei Otani. You can dial him up on the machine, and you can face Shohei Otani pitches coming out of the Shohei Otani arm slots. They move like it, same spin rates, spin axis, everything else. It just gives them the opportunity to see it. It's a different batting practice because unlike, you know, batting practice against a coach on the field, you don't go into that looking to get lots of hits. You're not going to. You have to realize that, you know, that's the real stuff right there, but it gives you an opportunity with the eyes. I mean, it's just, you know, Edgar said I, I, it's phenomenal. You know, Mike Cameron said I would use this every day if I had the opportunity to back then. So the advances, and just when you think they can't, do anything more because you think of the drive lines and you know every number that you look and now you look I feel a little bit lost looking at a game if I don't have stat cast and we don't have it down here for the most part there's just one stadium that has it down here uh, just when you think it can't get any more then they do you know roll out the pitching robot that you're talking about Amazing. so uh, it, it's a different game altogether have they let you get in there and take a few cuts well, <laughs> I, I no, I have not stepped in. I have stood behind it. I think you know that they invited uh, Salk to and, and the morning show, and I could have too. Jerry said I really should step in there, and I'm like, you know, I could, but I'm pretty sure that you and I would not even see the pitch. Yeah. You know, our <laughs> eyes are not accustomed to that, and I trust the robot is not going to hit me, but if I can't see the pitch, I'm not sure what the purpose is. Did they dial it up to peg Salk or no? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't step in there. <laughs> ah, that would that, I would worry about that. I would be yeah. like the one time yeah. when when somebody you know it goes haywire. Well, that'd be. be they programmed in early Randy Johnson. You know, before he refined his stuff, you never knew <laughs> where it was going. Or did it go haywire? <laughs> yeah, that's well, right. Well, Shannon, outside of Kelnick and the the obvious uh, suspects out there, who's who's catching your eye? Is there anybody that you hadn't really focused on going into spring? training but now they've kind of caught your eye and you're, you're you're just a little more in tune with them um we saw something kind of fun today i mean I've, I've been in tune but it was fun to kind of see it and finally let the cat out of the bag i said something about it two weeks ago and scott's just like be quiet this you know this is kind of under wraps and it, it was it's been let out but Anders munoz threw a live batting practice session today and he's throwing a two-seamer now and it's at the same velocity as the four-seamer and it's just beyond nasty with movement. He needs to, he says himself that he needs to learn how to command it. And it's a pitch that you basically aim for the middle and let the movement uh, do the rest of it uh, rest. But it, it was uh, pretty fun to watch that in the live batting practice and see Dylan Moore just absolutely frozen on one and then break a bat on another. And you add that to what he already has. And he felt he needed this. He, you know, he said the hitters have seen the fastball. They've seen the slider. Well, here we go. Here's something new right now. And that was a lot of fun to see. Um, also fun to watch the catchers. The catchers all, you know, Cal, Cal Raleigh, you're not seeing them as much in games because they're, you know, taking it easy with him. He had quite mm-hmm. the workload last year without a thumb. Um, <laughs> but he is 
you know, he's he's been fun to watch work with the pitchers, the games he's gotten into. He hasn't tried to get too big at the plate. He is, you know, now trying to, you know, remember how to swing from the other side that he wasn't, you know, they had so much trouble with because of the thumb last year. He's been fun to watch. Tom Murphy hit another home run today. Cooper Hummel, finding out more about him. He apparently likes to hit home runs. Another one today. And uh, Scott Service said after the game they are going to start moving him around a little bit. He can play in the outfield, and uh, a pair, he's got all the gloves. He's a catcher who can play basically all positions, and uh, they're finally going to kind of unleash that and see what that looks like. So, you know, all around the place, the young guys, uh, Bryce Miller is what you hoped he would be, and you heard them rave about him, but the fastball is electric. The sliders, he's got two of them, are, are an absolute blast to watch. It's There's pitching, pitching, pitching everywhere but um you know it, it's uh I, I couldn't pinpoint one thing it's it's a lot well we can't wait to get down there and and check it out in person shannon thanks so much as always and we'll be talking soon you got it can't wait to see you yeah all right <laughs> sounds thanks, very shannon. sincere that's nice yeah she, that was very authentic <laughs> thanks, you, you sold me shannon yeah. you actually sold, sold me. <laughs> there you go there's our mariner insider shannon dreyer joining us from arizona coming up NFL free agency begins next week, and teams are frantically making moves to get ready for it. We'll talk about that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Our thanks to our Mariner insider, Shannon Dreher, who joined us in the previous segment. We replayed our conversation with Seahawks GM John Schneider at 3 o'clock. So if you guys missed any of that stuff, it'll be available on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Coming up at 4.30, we continue with our Seahawks alumni series with the great Steve Largent, who will be joining us. So looking forward to that conversation. Then, of course, we've got Mean Text at 5.45, and you'll be happy to know, Dave, a couple Went right to Lefko. Bleep you, Mike. <laughs> some some wrote out the word. I don't think I don't think Mike appreciates that as much as I do. So if you would direct those to me. Eight six six nine seven nine three seven. No, the problem is I see them right away, so the impact is taken off. Like if you if you don't know it's coming and I read it to you, it's funny. But I see it. And then... Did you laugh when you saw it initially? No. No, you didn't find it funny. There were a couple. One wrote it out. The other one get, just put a, an F there, I think. But either way, just be creative. Text it in, 866-979-3776. Powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. We'll do that at 545. All right, so the big news is uh, what was happening with the trading of the number one overall pick. The Bears are trading away the top spot to the Carolina Panthers, who were in the ninth spot. So now they will flip-flop. And the the Bears now have the ninth pick, the 61st pick. They get a first-round pick in 2024, a second-round pick in 2025, and wide receiver DJ Moore Yeah, for, for dropping from one to nine. How about that? DJ Moore is a really good player. I, the thing I remember about him real quick is that uh, he lost a game for them because he took his helmet off. And then mm-hmm. the extra point got moved back, and the kicker missed the extra point. You so could, it was a kicker that You could blew say it. the kicker missed the – yeah, he blew it. But it wouldn't have happened if, uh, you know, if that hadn't occurred. But good, you know, talented guy. Had three years in a row of over 1,000 yards receiving. But yeah. what's interesting is in each of those years, exactly four touchdowns. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's, I'll tell you, we talked to Scott Fitter about it a little bit, you know, about how he builds a team and things like that. But, you know, I, it'll be very, I'm very curious. The first thought for me is, okay, which one of those guys, because it could be, 
you know, maybe it's Anthony Richardson. Maybe it's Will Levis. I think those are the sort of dark horse. Twitter thinks it's Bryce Young. Yeah. I'm just curious if it's just, nope, it's Bryce Young. We knew it all along. Or is it C.J. Stroud? Mm -hmm. They're giving up a lot for whoever it is. And we we had a chance to speak with Scott Fitterer, who's who's their GM now, was a longtime front office guy here for the Seahawks, a buddy of yours who really appreciates your tennis game. And <laughs> we, we talked to him uh, about what it is they're looking for in a quarterback. Yeah, you just, you just have to know who you're looking for. How does that person fit your offense? How does that mentality and the makeup of the quarterback, how does that fit your offense? And, you know, I, I can tell you the guys that we've met here, with here, I think we've met with six of them. They've all been really impressive. Sometimes you get couple real duds in there there's like oh man this is not the guy <laughs> you know these guys are all strong you know they're all different styles and different flavors and we'll just uh we got to figure out what's right for you what can you work with you know is it is it a mobile guy is it someone you need to you know get on the move and bootleg and get out of space and throw or is this a guy that can win from the pocket and those are all decisions each team has to make I think that's interesting that the whole thing could come down to a conversation that either the coach or or the GM or the quarterback coach had with one of those guys. Yeah. That like that's the difference. What because I heard from him. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to. We're all sitting here trying to figure out. And as I said on Twitter, Bryce Young is trending because everybody's saying it's going to be him. He didn't work out at the combine. He yeah, still got right. his pro day coming up. So. You wonder, all right, was this already in the works? They don't need to see it. They're, they're certain of it. Or did their mind get changed based on what they saw or, or heard at the Combine, you know, an interview they had there or a workout? I I, I got to believe it's one of two guys. I don't, I, I, I'm with you that, that Richardson and, and Levis are the dark horses. It's Stroud or Young. Yeah. And maybe it's Stroud. You talked about it, and others talked about how good he looked throwing the ball and everything. Um. Again, yeah. Young didn't work out. He went there and got measured and weighed and all that stuff, but he wasn't throwing the ball. So I'm wondering if this was something that was already in the process or the urgency became more, uh, I don't know, the, the, it, it, they just became more motivated after whatever they saw or, or heard in an interview at the Combine. Well, whatever happens, I hope that the player that the Seahawks want falls to them because, you know, and look, it still could be a quarterback. But, you know, and some of the other things that, that Mike put down here also is, you know, you're always hearing about quarterbacks and just the, the troubles of, you know, like Derek Carr, his mm-hmm. whole saga of what, you know, why why wasn't he winning there? He took his team to the playoffs a couple of years ago. But, like, guys like him, guys like Tua Tango-Lioa. Sorry, did I say that wrong? Tango-Lioa. Tango-Lioa. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, there's and, and there's something to be said for you know, not being quite sure about what you have, Dak Prescott kind of, and I think D- Dak Prescott is great. But they restructured the Cowboys did they restructured his contract, and there's always lots of criticism on him. I think it's tough yeah. being quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, but um, yeah, but you know, it's like you have these question marks at quarterback, and for a long time, the Seahawks had Matt Hasselbeck. Then they went to that little transition there, and then Russell Wilson mm-hmm. for a long time, and right now feel pretty good about you know the amount of money that you paid Gino but I don't know these teams that are either having to draft somebody or you know try to sign somebody or you know cutting a guy's contract down that's just uh that's that's tough man yeah. I mean it, it feels good to to know who your quarterback is yeah that's that's the biggest question for most teams who's the and yeah. do you have the right one and, like exactly who don't seem to right but yeah uh, we'll talk more about that certainly but coming up we get a chance to speak to the man who occupies the title of the greatest wide receiver in the history of the seattle seahawks organization the great steve Largent will join us next year with wyman and bob this is seattle sports on 710
Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, this is something cool we've been doing. Uh, this has been a couple months now. We've gotten a chance to speak to a lot of really cool Seahawk legends, former teammates of Dave Wyman here. We've been doing it every Friday, calling it the Seahawks Alumni Series. And it really wouldn't be complete, Dave without speaking to the man that holds the title of being the greatest wide receiver in the history of this organization. He is a Hall of Famer, and he is with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. The one, the only, Steve Largent is with us. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Well, we're doing great because you're on the, you're on the phone with us, Yoda. It's good to hear from <laughs> you, man. Uh, well, it's good talking with you. Hey, hey, who came up with the name Yoda? Who, who started uh, calling you that first? Do you remember? Uh, I think it was uh, Dave Craig. That's who I think it was. Yeah. Mudbone. Mudbone. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> no, no, they didn't call you that like when you were a senator and things like that, right? You were. Uh, no, they did not. They, okay. I, I, I tried to hide it from them when I got back there. <laughs> they, called me a lot of, they called me a lot of other names. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like you, you said you were playing tennis, Steve, so it sounds like uh, you're able to, to move around. And, you know, how, how are you feeling? Yeah, I, I am playing tennis. I, I quit running. I, I was a distance runner. I'd run five miles, you know, three or four or five times a week. And I had to give that up because my right knee started bothering me. And uh, so I've started playing tennis more. And um, and and I, I, I love tennis. And my knee doesn't bother me, so that's good. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm on a, a short time uh, before I have to give stuff like that up. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going as long as I can. There you go. Did you did you come out of football fairly healthy, unscathed, or do you do you have a lot of uh, lingering ailments from you? I don't remember. I mean, I was a kid, but did you have any serious injuries in, in the game of football? Um, I had a number of surgeries uh, from I you know I had two surgeries on one on each thumb, my elbow, my foot, uh, my back. Um, uh, my neck, uh, all those different surgeries that were done, you know, in the off season or something like that. Uh, so they weren't debilitating and didn't keep me from playing, but they needed to be corrected during the off season. Uh, so I, I didn't have, you know, I, I missed, I think I missed either four or six games my last year that I played. And that was the longest streak of missing games that I ever had in 14 years of playing in the National Football League, and that's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, uh, take us back to one of my favorite plays. Well, first of all, it started with us in Denver, and you get you get hit by Mike Harden, which was, you know, I think, Steve, if he would have made that hit in today's NFL, they might have put him in jail. You know, the police might have showed up and handcuffed him, but, you know, yeah. but I mean, that was, that was a vicious hit. And then, you know, fast forward, I don't know what it was like seven, eight, maybe 10 weeks later, we get Denver at home. He picks off a pass. He's running it back and you just flattened him, man. That was, uh, and I remember that was as loud as I ever heard the kingdom. I think everybody was behind that because they knew, you know, what had happened, but uh, did that feel better than than catching a touchdown, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I tell people all the time, Dave, that that's that's my favorite play in my NFL career. Not a touchdown, but a hit 
a tackle that I made because of the, the, the drama that took place in the game that we played him in Denver, where he actually had his arm taped up to hit me or hit, hit us, uh, yeah. hit, hit our players uh, as hard as they could uh, and, and do it not even legally. And he did that. Uh, so he, he hit me right in the face mask. It broke my face mask, knocked out two teeth wow. and uh, knocked me out of the game. That was in Denver. And then we play him at home and uh, he intercepted a pass in the end zone on the other side of the field from where I was running the same route. And uh, he started running back up field and then cut back to his left, which was towards me because he wasn't looking at me. He was looking at our offense. It was coming to tackle him who just intercepted the ball. And uh, so he never saw me coming, but I, I hit him legally. Yep. Uh, I didn't, it wasn't a cheap shot. I didn't hit him with my helmet or face mask or any of that kind of stuff. I hit him, uh, you know, the way you're supposed to tackle. And uh, that was, that was my favorite play. In fact, I, I was up there in Seattle, uh, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago. And some guys at a card shop uh, made a, 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 a a picture uh, that that picture they they framed for me and <laughs> so they gave that to me and I said you guys will will not believe this but that's my favorite play of my entire NFL career was a tackle not a catch that is awesome. See, he's a linebacker deep down. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. what, what's amazing is he's got all these records for consecutive games with catches, total number of catches, all these accolades, you know, the greatest receiver in the history of this organization. And his favorite play is that moment. And probably it's probably the thing you get asked about the most, I would think, in terms of people that know your career. They, I don't know if they're bringing up other moments. Hey, remember this touchdown catch in this game or remember this catch? I feel like this probably is the most commonly – reference thing when it comes to interacting with you if anybody ref anybody talks to me and references any play uh that i i made during my the course of my nfl career this would definitely be number one <laughs> uh people will i mean there there, there were probably maybe sixty thousand people at the kingdom for that yeah. play and there's been at least 600,000 that have said that they were there and they, they witnessed it. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's still fun to remember and, uh, and, and to think about and, and to kind of, uh, you know, say, okay, Mike Harden, he, he hit me, he hit me illegally, but I got him back. And you did it legally. That was so Steve Largent, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, um, you know, you've been out here a few times. Uh, obviously, we're presenting the, the Steve Largent Award and saw you down on the sidelines this year, Rabes and I. Uh, yeah. You are yeah. down there with Tyler Lockett. And, you know, uh, how do you get a lot of, uh, like, do you and Tyler stay in touch? I know that uh, I think you and Doug Baldwin used to talk. Do you, do you still, uh-huh. do those guys uh, consult? you uh, every once in a while <laughs> you know not really I think I think Tyler when he first uh, came on to the Seahawks uh, he was more inclined to uh, maybe talk with me or ask me a question or two about playing uh, you know Tyler's from Tulsa Oklahoma he's from my hometown yeah uh, I was and weren't you guys born on born the same here. day or something yeah September yeah. 28th I think we both have the same birthday so uh, I know I know Tyler and I, I think he's coming to Tulsa the end of April, I believe, for a uh, event for some charity, and I'll see him there. He, he they're they're doing some kind of a uh, basketball shootout or something between me and Tyler. And they they don't know that I never played basketball. <laughs> I'm sure Tyler did, but uh, anyway, he 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 really still gives back to the community that he lives in, and 
uh, a great guy and a great player. I, I really like to watch him play. Hey, how cool is that to have an award named after you? That's got to that's be such a huge honor to have the Steve Largent Award being handed out. Yeah, it really, it really is. I mean, it's, it's almost, I almost, um, it's almost embarrassing uh, <laughs> to have an award. I mean, that's like something that you give somebody that's dead, and and I'm not dead yet. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it, so it, it really is, uh, it really is special uh, to uh, have an award that's uh, given in your name and your honor, and uh, and and I don't take it for granted. Hey, Steve, you know, there's a picture up in. Um in the VMAC that I think it tells the tale of what kind of player you were and what your, your talent was, but it's, I think it's a charger defensive back. And I always say the guy looks like, you know, when sometimes you put your t-shirt on inside out and backwards, (laughs) how that, you know, uh, that's, that was him. Like you had him just entirely turned around the, the other way. Tyler has a little bit of that. He's very subtle with his movements. And I, I kind of remember that with you, but, is that something that you can? Because the real sometimes really good players, like if you ask John Elway how to play quarterback, I don't think he could tell you. He'd be like, "I just go out and do it." Was that the case with you, or did you like really mindful? Like you can explain exactly what you did, or is it just something that happened for you? Well, I think I think it's a little of both, but it's I would say it's more heavily weighted on, you know what you practice is the way you play. Mm-hmm. And so I always, you know, I, I mean, I was one of the guys that was out early for practice and stayed late for practice and uh, caught a lot of passes and ran a lot of routes and uh, tried a lot of different things in that process. And then, you know, it, it, then the game was easy to play uh, when you, you know, when you worked as hard as I did yeah. uh, on the practice field. And, and I think Tyler's that kind of player too. Uh, he's not very big. He's smaller than I was, and he, but but man, he makes good. He runs good routes. He catches the ball. Uh, he's in the right place. He's not afraid to go and throw a block for a running back. Uh, so I think he's he's kind of a total total athlete. Yeah, well, and you mentioned your practice, Steve. I, I remember when I, when I first got on the team, my rookie year, I was lost. And But my, my next year, I kind of, you know, was in with the guys, and we're, we're going in on, on Friday, and I look out there, and you're, like, running to the huddle, then you're going out to your position, and then you're running a route, and I'm like, what what's he doing? And you used to do that. Like, you know, that was something, like, you talk about, prep like i would see you on the plane reading uh the you know habits of highly successful people i mean you were always mm-hmm. trying to learn something you were always doing something more but take us through that what was that about like you know you would you would kind of almost simulate a game tell us about that uh, well, process uh I, I know what you're talking about is when i i, I actually uh i got hurt and was uh sidelined for set for six weeks and so what i was doing was just going out and going through a practice and, and running the routes and breaking the huddle and uh, then running routes and, and uh, just so that I would, you know, maintain my conditioning and, and, and still stay in the game, so to speak. And uh, so that's what I was doing. And, and I think it was helpful to me. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's um, the, the thing about football that a lot of people miss is that it, it really um, is a is a mental game. It's not all physical. It, it is partially physical for sure. I mean, you got to be you know for for offensive line, defensive line guys like that, be big and strong and uh, throw their weight around and strength around. Uh, but there's other parts of the game like receiver that uh, 
really take a lot of uh, mental acuity to, to be successful at. And uh, so that's, that's what I tried to do is, is uh, I, I, I wasn't the biggest guy. I wasn't the fastest guy. Uh, so I, but I, I, had, I wanted to work hard on my game and, and uh, so that I could do the other things that I couldn't do physically. I could do them mentally um, and, 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 and try to do that better than anybody else and, and try to make that the, the margin of difference uh, that I could have between me and, and the players that I played against. And I think it worked out pretty well. Yeah, it, it definitely did. I was just, you're just such a great role model for, for somebody, you know, just doing extra work. And, you know, when I was, you know, asking about that, that definitely influenced me as, as a player. So, cause I was like, wow, this guy's a pro bowler and hall of famer and he's out there putting in extra time. That's a good, good example for sure. Steve, did they, did you ever yeah, get tired well, of, did you ever get tired of hearing about how, how slow you were or how not fast you were or how small you were or did, did you use that as motivation or was that a you know proverbial chip on the shoulder or how, because it feels like that's when they talk about you is like well look at this guy i mean he's one of the greatest to ever do it but he wasn't fast he's not big it was all the things you were not you know i i that was a uh that was a, a rumor about me that came from college i mean they, they were saying about that same that about me in college and then they said it about me in the nfl and before the draft after the draft and uh the con- I continued through my career for 14 years and at first i kind of resented that uh because i thought you know I- i'm not that slow i can you know it's just about <laughs> catching the ball and making first downs right but you know the longer i played in the league uh the more i saw that that could be an advantage for me is just selling people on the idea that I'm not very fast. I'm not very quick. Uh, and let them think that, uh, while I'm catching, you know, a hundred touchdowns. And so, uh, that's what I did. I, I never, I never tried to kill the rumor that I was, uh, any faster or, or anything else. Uh, I, I, I think I actually propagated it and, uh, <laughs> it worked out to my advantage and the team's advantage. Yeah. Well, and that was, was it in Cincinnati when you caught number 100, I believe? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think, Steve, I think that was the year that they turned off the hot water after the game uh, in Cincinnati. I can't remember that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that, but yeah. uh, I remember the catch. I, I, I didn't think I was ever going to be able to catch the 100th ball, but uh, I broke open on a, uh, it was kind of a uh, an in route. And uh, Dave found me and and uh, scored the touchdown and and that was over. So uh, that was that was really kind of a special time too uh, when I broke that record. That it, it, the record was actually a record for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I forget who had the record, but it, you know they had it for 99 catches forever. And uh, I didn't think I was ever going to break that record. And then uh, Dave found me in the end zone and it was over. But uh, it was it, that was kind of a nice accomplishment. Do you do you keep in touch with a lot of your former teammates outside of Dave Wyman? Do you talk to Dave Craig or any anybody else you've played with oh, over yeah. the years? I, 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 I probably talk to Dave. I don't know four or five times a year. Uh, I talk to Jim Zorn about you know four or five times a month. Uh, <laughs> I talk to Jim regularly, uh, but I talk to other guys too. I just spoke to Paul Scancy and. Uh, you know, there's, there's a number of guys that, uh, that, that I, yeah, I, I talked to, uh, uh, Fig, uh, Bob Newton and, uh, guys like that, that, uh, I played with and, and, uh, we became good friends and there's a lot of those guys, Jacob Green, yeah. um, just, just a lot of, a lot of good guys. 
How, how do you how do you feel like your conversations with Dave Craig go? Because we've had him on here, and Dave and Dave Lyman are, are good friends. And I, I sit back, Steve, and I just listen to these two go back and forth, and it, I'm just absolutely entertained and delighted. Is that is it? A, do you have to work at that conversation, or you just sit back and listen when Dave Craig's talking to you? How does that go for you? You know, my wife started laughing. She's ten feet across the kitchen from me, but she heard you say your conversation with Dave Craig. She started laughing, but, and I kind of laughed too. So I'm not the only one. Uh, no, I think uh, having a conversation with Dave Craig would be very interesting. Uh, no, Dave, Dave, though, I mean, Dave really is a, a great guy, and I, I, I love him, and I love playing with him, and nobody worked harder than Dave did. And uh, he was he was a guy that no nobody drafted him, uh, nobody thought he was any good. He comes out of some little college in Wisconsin or something, and uh, Milton and right? turned out to be yeah Milton. And I don't I don't think the college existed. It doesn't. Anymore. No, I, I was yeah. like, wait, it was the football program that went away. He's like, no, I I, I used to tell no. him, I think they turned uh, Milton College into a Chuck E. Cheese or something. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's exactly right. So anyway, but Dave, Dave's, a, Dave's a great guy, and, and uh, I love him and, and uh, think the world of him. Yeah, he he, uh, he woke me up at 8 a.m. on a Saturday <laughs> and was uh, arguing with me about something. And, and I didn't <laughs> even know we were arguing, uh, but no, but it, uh, love, just like you, love Dave. I don't know that there was a person that was more competitive. Like even on the on the plane, oh, yeah. you know, we would, we'd be playing cribbage was, was our game. Yeah. And, yeah, and he yeah. would just, oh, my gosh, if he lost a game, yeah, you were going to hear about it. <laughs> so. Yeah, it, it, that, that's really, I mean, you know, when I think back on my career, all the things that I've done and been able to do, uh, Pro Bowls, playing in Pro Bowls, getting into Hall of Fame, all that stuff, that doesn't come close to comparing just the joy that I've had meeting players on, on the team that I played on with the Seahawks, uh, meeting guys from all over the country, all, all different leagues and, and teams and uh, colleges. And, and it, it just was really, really special to have – uh, 14 years of experience uh, and just meeting different guys and, and uh, learning about their lives and hearing stories about their careers and uh, on the, on the plane, the trips to and from uh, different games. Uh, we, it was just, it was just a real blessing to me. Yeah, it was, you know, and by the way, we've had, we've had Jacob Green. We had Joe Nash, Steve. We found Joe, Joe Nash. Nash. Yeah. Got him. Uh, we're going to have Scanzi on in the next, uh, next couple of weeks, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, I mean, there were some really good guys, and, you know, you're right. That that was the part, and I think missing the locker room and, you know, just, uh, like you said, the plane rides, things like that. I mean, that was that was the thing I think I missed the most because it's kind of like I, I know that, like, military people go through this where you have access to everything, and then all of a sudden when you're out, you're out. You don't, you know, like I used to just be able to walk into the Seahawk complex, and, you know, and that's that's one of the things I thought that was uh, was maybe one of the tougher things to – to get over at, at the end of my career. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people that have trouble uh, getting over uh, that, that syndrome, but, you know, I played for 14 years and I couldn't have played another down uh, yeah. if I had wanted to. Uh, so I, I played, I mean, I had the satisfaction of knowing that I gave everything I had and I, I, I played absolutely the longest amount of time that I possibly could and so it was, it was over. And, you know, I made that decision before the last season 
I told the team that this was my last my last year, uh, and so there was no doubt about it. And uh, but I was able to play, you know, through that season, and and uh, it was uh, it was really special. Uh, just just going through that last season and knowing it was my last game, and uh, just uh, enjoying the uh, fans at the game and and how appreciate how much I appreciated them and their support for our team for so many years. Uh, so it was it was fantastic. Hey, it, I'm sure you've had more than a, a, a ton of players coming up to you talking about your career or how you may have influenced them. Who did you look up to? Who did you model your game after anybody? Well, I really couldn't. There weren't that many guys that ran as slow as I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, I, I guys that I admired were like guys Fred Bolitnikoff. Mm. Uh, I thought he was a tremendous receiver uh, and and just a great guy too. I mean, he he was one of those guys that kind of reached out to me early on in my career. Of course, we played the Raiders uh, after the I think second year. We played them uh, every twice every year, being in their conference. But uh, so I got to see Freddie a lot and got to talk with him. But there were a number of, of players that uh, I really admired. Uh, John Elway, you talked about him earlier. He's a guy I really admired. But but Dan Fouts is another guy down with the Chargers. He was a you talk about a guy that was a leader. That was Dan Fouts, and and he was a great leader for their team and for their offense. And uh, so I just liked the way he played and the way he commanded himself and his team uh, on the field. But there were a lot of guys that I played with and against that uh, I really had a lot of deep admiration and respect for. Uh, those are just a few of them. Steve, tell us a little bit about uh, just in general what you're doing in this uh, this phase of your life, besides playing tennis. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm trying to stay in shape and trying to uh, – you know, keep the weight down and that kind of stuff that you'd expect. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I've retired. I, I, uh, I retired from my job that I had last with CTIA, the Wireless Association. I was there for about 12 years uh, in Washington, D.C., and uh, my wife and I decided after that 12-year period of time that it was time to go home, and we moved back from uh, D.C. to Tulsa, and we've been here ever since. But, uh, you know, we've got, like I said, we've got 10 grandkids and, and I love playing, getting a chance to play with them and, and uh, just see what they're interested in. I've got several grandsons that are playing baseball and football and I got a lacrosse player and I've got uh, cheerleaders and I've got <laughs> basketball players. Uh, I've got six girls and four boys. Uh, and so that, that's really, really fun for me uh, to see uh, my grandkids uh, playing sports and and uh, being competitive and uh, all that kind of stuff. It's really really fun. And then, you know, I, I have fun playing with them and uh, hanging out with them and taking them to lunch or dinner and uh, ice cream. And you know, my wife and I we really have a, a blast doing that. But we're 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 kind of in that stage of life, you know, where um, you know we've got we've had a number of friends that have passed away. Uh, and, and we had, uh, a, a gal that my wife met regularly with, uh, just like three weeks ago who died and she was like 10 years younger than us. Mm -hmm. So that, that stuff becomes a reality as you get older and, um, not to say I'm worried about it or scared to die or any of that kind of stuff, but, uh, you know, it's just a reality. And, uh, you know, my, my wife and I remind one another of all the time, you know, we're, we're not going to be here forever. We're not Superman or anything like that. So we got to enjoy the time while we got it and enjoy our kids, enjoy our grandkids and 
so we are doing that and, and loving it. Well, your legacy awesome. will live on forever. That's for sure. Long after after we're not here anymore, the name Steve Largent will still be uh, spoken, and certainly in these parts, Steve, you're a legend out here, a Hall of Famer, and and always been very. I've had the honor of speaking to you a few times throughout my career, and always very gracious with your time. And Dave has never said anything but uh, tremendous things about you. So very very cool to have you on the show, and really appreciate you taking the time with us. Hey, I'm, I I appreciate it too, and uh, uh, anytime. All right. Thanks, Steve. Really appreciate you, man. All right, guys. All right. Talk to you God later. bless. There you go. The great Steve Largent. Yoda, as you guys called him. <laughs> <laughs> Seems about right. Yeah. That, you know, he, he was just so uh, amazing. Like, I was so surprised to see him, like, reading that book and yeah. that whole thing. Yeah, well, tremendous. If you guys tuned in in the middle of that, you'll you'll find that whole conversation on the podcast page after the show. SeattleSports.com is where you'll find that. Meanwhile, Gino bet on himself with his new contract. We're going to go inside the numbers a bit on that. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710.